Hello, and welcome to the Talking About podcast brought to you by ARU's Counselling and Wellbeing team. Talking About is a space to openly discuss the topic of wellbeing and mental health in a way that puts our students' thoughts and feelings at the forefront. My name is Julie Webb, and I'm a counsellor at ARU. I'm joined today by Billy and Crystal, two of ARU's student sexual violence consultants. In this episode, we're going to be talking about sexual violence. This is a sensitive topic, so please be mindful as you listen to this podcast. If you feel at all impacted by anything you hear, please make contact with the Counselling and Wellbeing team for support. Welcome to both of you and thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about really important, sensitive and delicate subject of student sexual violence. I thought maybe the best place to start right now is just for you guys to introduce yourselves for our listeners. Hi, my name is Billy. I'm a third year sociology student. I'm part of the SSVC team and I'm currently writing my dissertation, which is on sexual violence within universities and the academic consequences. Excellent. Thank you. Hi, I'm Crystal. Um, I'm a third year law student also doing my dissertation, but uh, it doesn't have anything to do with sexual violence. It's on sovereign inequality in international institutions. And I'm originally from the Bahamas. I just like saying that. You both. I wonder you both mentioned SSVCs there. So for our listeners, can you just say a little bit about what your roles are as student sexual violence consultants? Part of our role is consulting on anything that the advocacy team brings to us. So if there's a new sexual violence policy, just to read through it or questionnaires or the self-reporting thing, um, just to have another look through and sort of bring a student perspective to anything they come up with. It's sort of developed now into us bringing ideas to them. We're talking about our own podcast. We're also uh, poster campaigns, trying to find different posters and we're, yeah, it's just sort of taken on a life of its own of coming up with different campaigns and ways we can sort of get the word out about um, the support we have at ARU and what sexual violence is and sort of dispel some of the myths around it. Excellent. So it's about information, communication is what I'm hearing. And you mentioned there the student sexual violence advocacy, which sounds like it's slightly different to, to your role. I wonder if you could say a little bit for our students about that. The Student sexual violence consultants aren't a student-facing role, so we're not trained to take any disclosures of sexual violence. The student... Or advice. Yeah, the advocacy team, the people are trained to take disclosures, know all the information about the support services around the universities. Um, So we're more just sort of giving advice around what students might want, whereas the advocacy team are the people that are actually going to help you if you disclose sexual violence and you want support. So the face-to-face support, whether that's online or in person, that's the advocacy service. That's the person a student might speak to. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of working in the background, it sounds like, more with advising on information and communication. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And can I just add, um, so our consultancy role, like Billy mentioned, it's taken on a life of its own. So we also have an Instagram page now, Students Against Sexual Violence. And it's not associated with the university in any way, but that's just an example of how it's taken on a life of its own. Excellent. Thank you. So growing all the time. 
And I guess that's a great thing and also a concerning thing that it is so necessary, so needed and growing all the time. We've used the term sexual violence a couple of times already as we've been talking. And I wonder if you can define that for us, describe that for us, because it's it's kind of a term that gets bandied about. But what does it really mean? Yeah. So I'm going to give two different definitions. So the World Health Organization, they've defined it beautifully, in my opinion, or at least as beautifully as you could define something like that. So they've said that, and I'm quoting directly, sexual violence encompasses acts that range from verbal harassment to forced penetration and an array of types of coercion from social pressure and intimidation to physical force. So unfortunately, often you find perpetrators of sexual violence trying to find gray areas in the definition things they think they can get away with. And so I think that definition does a good job of sort of encompassing all of it. Um, And then we have the university's definition. So ARU officially defines sexual violence as sexual misconduct as opposed to sexual violence. And they said that sexual misconduct is any unwanted conduct of a sexual nature that occurs in person remotely or virtually. And just so that students can know that may be listening, The university has a sexual misconduct policy. You can find it in student rules and regulations. Uh, In the policy, they also go into a bit of detail on what exactly consent is. And they defined consent as an agreement to engage in a sexual act with an individual. And that individual needs to have both freedom and capacity. Okay. So it kind of, there were two areas there, wasn't there? There was the World Health Organization description. And then we have our own policy here at ARU. That feels really important as well, doesn't it? To have our own policy that it's taken extremely seriously here within this organisation that our students are also taken care of and looked after. Yeah, very important. I can just add as well, I think sometimes, a lot of times you hear people subjected to sexual violence, the kind of concern of, is this enough? to come forward and say this happened to me is this bad enough to report and I think when we use the term sexual violence we're talking about not just the more quote-unquote extreme stuff like rape and things like that we're also talking about sexual harassment you know sort of suggestive glances and and stares um catcalling anything like that you might think it's too small but we're sort of saying it's not like all of these acts are traumatizing and they are difficult to deal with so if you need help with any of them or if you're just confused or concerned and you want to ask you know the team will the advocacy team is there to answer questions as well as provide support that's a beautiful description because it's the word violence itself is a really strong powerful word and it sounds extreme doesn't it and but actually violence can be feel very small and we can't often you know, sometimes don't often give it the credit that's really due the right word when we um, violate a person. Yeah, and for me, I think that I think that that's where the brilliance comes in in the university's definition of referring to it as sexual misconduct as opposed to sexual violence, because coming from a country like mine, the Bahamas, you aren't taught that certain things are wrong, and you become so used to, for example, catcalling. That when you come over here to the UK, it's kind of a shell shock when you realize that, oh, people aren't supposed to do that. That's not okay. So I think that I think that there is a benefit to referring to it as sexual misconduct. And 
I know that it's a very long policy to read, but if you only read the definition, I think it's worth it's worth reading, especially because um, a lot of students might not realize that they were subjected to sexual misconduct, unfortunately. And like Billy said, it's important that you know that you can go to the advocacy service. And even if you, you, you're just confused, you know, this happened to me and I'm not sure if it qualifies. I, I think that's very important. I think as well, it's really normalized in universities. We kind of take it for granted as, as a specific sort of within the UK, a lad culture of, you know, going out and drinking and that's misogyny is a part of that culture and deeply ingrained in universities. So it's hard to separate it into something that is, is wrong and, and, and builds sort of like a basis for things to escalate and really get out of hand, which is what has happened at universities. You know, 62% of students experience sexual violence. Goodness, that's, that's, that's to, a high number. Yeah. yeah, that's according to Revolt Sexual Assault, by the way, 2018, 62%. That's scary. And that's, you know, higher than in the general public. So universities are really a hotspot for sexual violence and you shouldn't have to go to a university and you know, you're there for education. It shouldn't be something you have to think about and consider when you decide if you want to go to university or stay on. Yeah, and it's something we've talked about in other podcasts, actually, that universities are a hotbed, aren't they, for you're here for education, you're here for socialising, developing, you know, stepping out into the world sometimes from a home life, from a different country, maybe. And so that also makes students quite vulnerable in a way. You know, there's lots of unknown as they kind of um, work through their university life. So um, thank you for highlighting that. That feels really important. Yeah, and I also think that we often tend to forget, we get so used to living in a university bubble. University, universities are a microcosm of the, the real world. And unfortunately, this takes place more often than it should. So I think it's, it's important for, for the leadership of universities to take that into account. So it's a representative, in a way, representation of what is happening outside in, in the yeah. wide world. Yeah, and I feel like it starts in universities. So if we can begin trying to, at the very least, raise awareness to the situation here, eventually that gets translated into the real world, if you will. Uh, education, the education environment is a place, you know, academia, research is where things do get changed isn't it? It's where policies do get made, where exploration does take place, where discussions like this takes place. So it's an, it's an important environment um, for change. I'm wondering how difficult it is for students to seek support or report having been subjected to sexual violence. Well, I think that when you're subjected to sexual violence, it's going to be difficult no matter how easily accessible the service actually is. Billy can speak a bit more on, on how exactly you can access the service. But I think that it's just a matter of, and obviously this is going to be easier said than done, but it's a matter of, okay, something happened to me. Am I willing to speak to someone about it? And then if you are, then the university has the SSVA. So the Student Sexual Violence Advocacy have a webpage and there is a referral online that you can do it's simple it's easy it's quick to get advocacy from the student sexual violence team they offer practical support if you're considering reporting 
and they can also help you move accommodation. It really caters to students' specific needs. So whatever you feel you need, they can help provide. And there's also the wellbeing service. I'm sure you can talk more about that. Yes, of course. I mean, what you're saying, that what you're offering there is a really tailored, accessible point of access, isn't it, for students? And yes, of course, there is the counselling and wellbeing service where students can access counselling and mental health advising as well if they don't go down the other route. And we can always point students in the right direction. Also, something important to note about the service is that you have a choice on how you meet with them. So you can meet face-to-face if you're more comfortable with that, on Teams if you're comfortable with that, if you don't want to meet them on campus for whatever reason. That's totally fine. You get to choose a suitable venue and they'll just meet you there. So it's very accessible. It is, isn't it? That's what I'm hearing is I'm, I'm really hearing, you know, if in need, contact us. But it's also important to note that if you're not ready for that, um, that's absolutely fine. You know, it is your decision. It's an option that's there. It's not the only option. There are outside services. And if you're just not ready for support, that's that's absolutely fine too. Yes. And the not ready is really important, isn't it? Because it's a huge step, isn't it? To hear any words, leave your mouth. Yeah. And seeking support. What are the impacts of being subjected to sexual violence for victims and survivors? Well, that is a really difficult question. I guess I, in my mind, I split it into two things. What are the academic consequences and what are the personal consequences? And they're really interlinked as well. Academic wise, you know, 16% of students leave education or their degree um, because of sexual violence. And 25% of those subjected to sexual violence drop modules, skip lectures, things like that. So it really does have an impact on your studies. Gosh, it sounds like it really interrupts the, you know, education academic pathway that they started on. It really does. And that kind of has consequences throughout your life as well. If we think about, you know, if you're leaving university and, and huge numbers of students are because of sexual violence, you know, what does that mean for your career? and who is making the powerful decisions in society as well. And then as well, there's, you know, the emotional impact of sexual violence. You know, it takes a lot of people years to recover from. There's such a stigma around it that it's really difficult to talk about. And if you do talk about it, you know, you have to kind of, in some situations, really fight to be taken seriously. And for people to really see it as something that has such a drastic impact on your life. You know, it can be like a really traumatizing event that, you know, shapes who you are for some people. You know, it's not the same for everyone. It's a really important point you're making there, isn't it? The um, You said drastic and traumatic um, and how incidences can change the course of someone's life. And trauma, we know, impacts the body. Um, and we have strange ways of rationalizing things so that we can function and get on with life. The trauma kind of can linger around the body, can't it, over a long period of time. There is a phrase, isn't it, the body keeps the score. I think it's Bessel van der Kolk and and, and his book. And that's really important, isn't it, because trauma lingering around the body can get triggered in all kinds of strange ways, you know, further down the line in life. So you're talking about a really significant impact upon a person's life. I also read a book that makes me think of another book that I read. My body keeps your secrets and it talks a lot about sort of how trauma is kept in the body and how a lot of survivors suffer from like chronic pain and things like that how you know it does have a physical impact as well not just emotional so it is yeah it can't be understated how impactful it is and it and it shouldn't be understated 
It's a whole body-mind experience, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, growing up, my grandmother would always phrase it as the body will remember what the mind chooses to forget. And um, this is another good uh, time for me to interject again with the counseling and well-being service. I know I have the permission of a couple of people. They just want to remain anonymous. They had traumatic events happen to them and they visited the counseling well-being service in Cambridge, ARU. And the counselors that they dealt with were very understanding. They didn't force them to necessarily speak about the situation. But just having that support, just being able to come into their office and sit down and say, today, I'm not doing well. Today is hard. Oh, yesterday was a good day. I don't understand why now I'm feeling very upset, feeling very angry. And um, a common thing that tends to occur in victims and or survivors of sexual violence is that you have the five Fs, right? Fight, flight, freeze, flop, friend. You don't get to choose which response you, you, you do in that moment. So it's just your body's way of protecting you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there was something wrong with you. In fact, it was, it's kind of an incredible thing that occurs. And so I think that a lot of people misunderstand that. And that leads to these various rape myths about, oh, she didn't fight back. Oh, you, you took it. And no, actually... That was the brain protecting you. And it also sometimes leads to, you know, you go out in public and a certain smell, a certain sound reminds you of these things and you shut down and you don't understand why you shut down and you begin to blame yourself and, and question yourself. And, and a, lot of, a lot of survivors or victims, they, they tend to, statistics show, they end up questioning their sanity at times because they don't understand, well, why am I responding in this specific way? Well, it's science. It's you aren't crazy. That's science. That's your body finding a way to survive this incredibly intense situation. It's a really important point you make there about the psyche, isn't it? Because even on, if we take loss and grief, for instance, you know, a perfectly natural experience that we will experience at various points throughout life, you walk into a store, a piece of music is playing and bam, that grief yeah. there just erupts in the body. So, of course, with any trauma, it's going to erupt in the body at moments you least expect it sometimes as well. And it's right there. You're right back there. And yeah. it's really, really viscerally powerful and excruciating, yeah, isn't I mean, it, for survival? I've read cases where people have shut down for days on end, weeks on end, because they're essentially reliving this horrible moment. There was one particularly study. It was, it was very interesting. It came out of Chicago in the USA, um, this young lady, she was subjected to years of sexual violence at university. And when she graduated, she did not remember anything that happened to her. And one day she was in the grocery store and she saw this fruit and she remembered one of the guys that approached her was eating this apple. And seeing the apple sent her into a, into a mental breakdown. I mean, they couldn't get her to speak or move for weeks. And so I, I think that people, it's very important that people understand the impacts of, of, of experiencing this. It goes far beyond just feeling sad or just getting a little bit of anxiety. It's so much more than that. And I feel like if we as a society, particularly in universities, can begin to accept that concept, it then becomes a lot easier for those subjected to this horrible act to speak about it. 
Yes, a catastrophic act. And and we need to speak about it because I might be wrong. I think it was Jay-Z who once said, you can only heal what you choose to reveal. So I, I think it really starts there. Yes, and we don't know when we're going to choose that sometimes. And I think that's important, isn't it? That also the body, in a way, you know, you speak about seeing the apple. Maybe also the body-mind system was ready to see the apple at that point. There, there become moments sometimes where the body-mind system is ready. And I think not feeling pressured, um, you know, into following a course of action until it, it feels right or it comes up naturally by itself is really important. And thank you for mentioning the counselling service. And I'm glad that person had a good experience. because Several of them. It, excellent. is a, a place of holding where it's a safe space. It's a confidential space where students can, you know, be metaphorically held. Um, with their thoughts and, and feelings and concerns and traumas. And when you mentioned when you mentioned that it you're ready when you're ready essentially, that's also a very good thing about the sexual violence advocacy service because you can come to them whenever. It doesn't matter when when the incident occurred. So whether it be 10 years ago, five years ago, it doesn't even matter if it necessarily happened on campus. That's really good practical information to know, isn't it, to understand. I know that trauma responses are also linked with the idea of rape myths. And I wonder if you could say something about that. So rape myths are, well, myths surrounding rape. They're very prevalent in society, particularly within universities. Some key ones are that people ask rape to happen they want for it, want it to happen which is ridiculous true. it's ridiculous yeah that people lie about rape that's also ridiculous i think it's something like 97 percent of reports of rape are true it wasn't really rape if you don't fight back so that's the thing tied in with the freeze responses so if you freeze which is a very common response to trauma people then think oh well you didn't try hard enough to, to get away from it. And it's just an instinctive survival response. And, and animals in the wild freeze, just so that people know it's not just humans. Animals in the wild also freeze. There's also a really prevalent one that rape is a deviant event. So it only is <laughs> perpetrated by um, a stranger in a bush. Back alley. Yeah. In some kind of uh, Gotham looking place. Yeah. Which is not true. The majority know the perpetrator so it can happen anywhere it can happen at any time it can happen to anyone and the university will support whoever and rape myths really tie into sort of victim blaming this idea that you could have prevented it somehow or um something you did brought it on which is just not true you can't choose this event you can't prevent it and those kind of rhetorics are not conducive to any sort of productive conversation about how we can help those who have been subjected to sexual violence. So we really need to break down those myths because they do prevent people from coming forward. This idea that it's, you know, this internal monologue that, oh, I should have done more to stop it, you know, is really prevalent among survivors and victims. And this idea that we somehow blame the survivor just as much, if not more, than we do the person who actually perpetrates rape, which, you know, for any other crime would be unthinkable. You know, you wouldn't say to someone whose house got robbed, oh, well, fault. yeah, 
you know, you wouldn't think of doing that. And because it's such a personal crime, it's such a, a difficult one to talk about. We somehow, you know, create these narratives around it that, you know, blame the victims um, and really prevent people from coming forward to, to get help because of the stereotypes and stigma around it. So those narratives of myth prevent justice. They also prevent healing. In terms of justice, can I also say that Scotland Yard, I believe, released a report, I don't remember the year, um, explaining that just because someone brought a case of sexual violence and the case didn't go through the justice system all the way, there was no one convicted, basically, doesn't mean that the person was lying. That's for various reasons. So it could be that there was a lack of evidence, could be that the person decided to drop the case because it takes a serious toll on you to to do that kind of thing and also i don't think that a lot of people realize that when you are subjected to sexual violence it's up to the justice system so it's up to the prosecutor to bring the case essentially not you so you are trying to there's also a rape method that you're trying to get back at them sometimes i've heard that one a lot no it's not you You've broken the law, sir, or ma'am, or whatever gender you are. You've broken the law. No one's trying to get back at you. This is justice. This is how the justice system works. It would be the same if you had committed a murder. And also on that, I think the number one reason that survivors do actually report is to stop it happening from someone else, which is firstly a lot to put on someone else. And it's on the perpetrator to not commit those crimes rather than the victim to stop it from happening. But this narrative that it's somehow you know for money or you know vindictive which is also a bit ridiculous considering the fact that when you go through the criminal justice system you don't get any compensation that's the civil justice system they're getting it mixed up that's civil law not criminal law so i want to thank you both for um giving such detail and description and the personal sharing as well um sometimes the information that you've discussed here today for our students. And I'm just wondering, as we tie up our discussion, can you tell us where can victims and survivors go for support? Well, like we said, there is the uh, Student Sexual Violence Advocacy Service that is open to any student. You can seek support for any sexual violence misconduct that has occurred. Um, It can be historical, so it can be something before you came to university it could be something that happened on campus it doesn't matter who the perpetrator is they'll support you with any instance of sexual violence there are also services outside the university for Cambridge students there's the Cambridge Rape Crisis Centre if you want support that's not related to the university and for Chelmsford students there is CARA that's the local rape crisis centre there Um, for Peterborough there is the Peterborough Rape Crisis Centre Um, There's also UK Survivors and Women's Aid, Nightline and the Male Survivor Partnership. Yes, and just to acknowledge that as well, any student wanting to to make contact with the counselling service, aru.ac.uk forward slash wellbeing. We're very, very happy to talk to any student that that wants to come forward um, for support. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us today to talk about sexual violence. If you've been affected by anything we've spoken about in this episode, please reach out to the Counselling and Wellbeing team and make the most of the support that we can offer you. Visit aru.ac.uk forward slash wellbeing 
to find out more about our services and how to get in touch. Join us next time for an in-depth discussion about drugs and alcohol.